Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Hi, and welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast with Mackenzie and Micah. Today we are talking about spiritual communion. Uh, last time we covered bapti- spiritual baptism and water baptism. And so today we are talking about how, uh, you know, in many churches, most churches, they have um, sometimes set aside to uh, break bread that uh, is a reenactment of the Last Supper um, to a greater or lesser degree, depending on denomination. This is not exactly common among Quakers, though. Very uncommon. Uh, Just like, you know, if you listen to our episode on water baptism, Quakers, along with uh, along with the Salvation Army, uh, don't practice typically uh, the Lord's Supper or communion or there's there's several different names. Eucharist. For it. The Eucharist. Um, the, these are not rituals that Quakers typically practice. Um, now, just just you know, I, I feel like Mackenzie and I have to hedge a lot when we say Quakers don't, Quakers do, because of course. Uh, if you scour the world, you can always find Quakers doing something, no matter what it is, unfortunately. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, yeah, it's like being the president who's bombing Vietnam. It's um, true. It's true. <laughs> In uh, case you didn't know, Nixon was a Quaker. Yes, uh, or at least his mother was. Um, he was a member and he was never read out. So. It's, it's true. Um, so, uh, but, but as, 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 uh, in terms of the tradition, and in terms of normal practice, uh, Quaker Quakers do not typically uh, do these rituals, and uh, there's a lot of question from from people from other denominations. Well, why not? What's the big deal? Like, obviously, you know, obviously, uh, Jesus modeled this for us, and it says in Scripture that, that Jesus says, you know, do this in remembrance of me. And so, why wouldn't you do this thing that's so that's so clearly in Scripture? Um, and yeah, I've heard um, it referred to as an ordinance, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, sometimes you'll hear. In low churches, um, people say that, uh, well, you know, like the Catholics have seven um, different sacraments, but really there's just the two that are actually commanded, and that's the baptism and the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and no, we're no, like, no, we don't do these either. No, no matter except for except for us in the and uh, the uh, Salvation Army, the this uh, the Lord's Supper and water baptism make everybody's list, so we're super weird that we don't do this. And so why why wouldn't we do this? Um, and again, as I didn't, again I'm harping. I'm gonna get out my harp. Uh, I need I, a sound effect for for a harp. We for actually you. do need a sound effect for the harp. As I said last time, you can't understand how Quakers came to particular understandings of Scripture without understanding the context. And so, just briefly, because hopefully you listened to the last one, briefly, Quakers were in a time of huge tumult. And they were in a time when the state church um, basically had them, you know, uh, was attempting to have, they were failing, but they were attempting to have a monopoly on people's faith and the way that faith interacted with all of life. Which kind of means if the government says you get to go to heaven, then you do. And if the government says, no, we're not going to give you your baptism or communion or whatever, then maybe you don't. Right. And so for, for, for a thousand years or more at that point, the government had essentially the government the 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 the, the authorities had said <clears throat> if you eat these wafers and drink this wine that we've consecrated then you get to go to heaven if you don't you go to hell and uh the church of england wielded that authority and and said our designated priests can do the hocus pocus and can make the bread and wine do the special stuff and if you take it you're a real christian and if you don't take this then you're not. So 
Quakers were in this position of, uh, you know, they're they're uh, to, <laughs> to put it a certain way, they're reevaluating a lot of things, and, <laughs> and and one of the things they're reevaluating is why should a dude in a robe standing up front be able to a tell us what's holy or not, but b tell us that if we don't practice this particular ritual, we're not a part of the body of Christ. So Quakers saw a big problem with this, and so Quakers, went, you know, as as you do. Quakers went back to scripture and they, and they and they uh, they started looking at like well what is what is real communion about and their uh, their uh, conclusion the conclusion they came to was that true communion is not about a ritual that's performed uh, you know however it's performed like you know in some churches maybe they use a loaf of bread and, and wine out of a, a a clay a clay cup and in some churches maybe it's like little white wafers and uh, and a gold chalice and a gold chalice or 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 maybe uh, there's a tray passed around that has little bits of bread and uh, Dixie cups of grape juice right so once again and I, again there's a lot of overlap here because I pointed this out in our last episode um, again this is not something that Scripture lays out how it is to be done so it's it so right there we should be dubious that this is something that's required uh, of us as Christians. Um, but now the, the way the Catholics handle it is they just read out the part. They read out the story of the Last Supper. And then when it says that Jesus broke the bread, the priest is holding some bread and he breaks it. Right. At the same time. Yeah. Um, and I, that's that's their way of handling how exactly do we do it. Well, we'll just read out the words and yeah. follow along. And I will say, to be, to be fair, um, as far as I personally follow on this, I tend to think that the argument against... Uh, practicing the Lord's Supper is not as strong as the practice against uh, practicing communion as non, or I'm sorry, against water practicing baptism. water baptism as an ongoing rite. I think I think the argument against water baptism uh, as as a continuing ritual is much stronger uh, than the argument against uh, Lord's Supper. Uh, however, uh, in the context that the Quakers were dealing with the Lord's Supper, it was truly a coercive uh, and idolatrous institution. Um, and so I think we've got we've got to evaluate it. We, we've constantly got to be reevaluating re- re- these things in our own context. And and is this is this is this practice is what we're doing? Is this drawing us closer to God, or is it actually presenting a barrier to our relationship with God? Um, and I think I think even today in in many communities, uh, the practice of the Eucharist uh, can be a barrier uh, to relationship with God rather than a help. Um, although I, I certainly would never say that is always the case. Um, and just for the record, I on, I on numerous occasions have participated in Eucharist slash uh, Lord's Supper, um, including probably in context I might not have ought to. Uh, but what did you get in a Catholic church? Yeah, I mean, basically. Yeah, you ain't supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, basically. We're definitely not in communion with the Catholic church. Hey, guys, you ever heard that phrase? There you go. Yeah, I'm in communion with everybody. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think they'd agree. Well, no, the, the, the backstory with that is basically, uh, you know, this probably get me like barred from Catholic churches for life. Um, but basically, I was I was in I was in a new monastic community uh, in seminary, and when I went to a particular Catholic church, um, there were some churches I went to that like I did not take it. Uh, but this, there's one particular one where uh, I got I got the word that this particular priest was cool with it. And so that was fine. Uh, so I think I think I think even with the even with the Catholics, your mileage may vary. Well, I, I remember being at um, my uncle's funeral when he was a Knight of Columbus, and um, when the priest said, 
you know, because they at funerals they make a point to say it because there's gonna be non-Catholics there um, that it's only for practicing Catholics. I remember after my brother was so angry at the mm. idea that it's only for practicing Catholics, and I'm, I had to explain to him I'm like, look, they have. I'm, I'm like, look, and, and my whole family's Catholic, and I guess he missed this one in, in, during religious ed. But anyway, I told him that you know Catholics believe that the bread and wine are literally transmuted or transubstantiated is the word transubstantiated into being Jesus and so as far as they're concerned it would be sacrilege for anyone not also showing that belief to consume it that's that's the church that's the catholic church's line um now things get a little fuzzy when you get to like there are some other denominations that have real presence as a belief and officially most of them are not allowed to partake but so here's the thing um the Quaker understanding of communion is, is actually a real like we are closer to the to the cat to the Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox than to most other Christian groups. Mm-hmm. That we we believe in the real presence of Jesus in our communion. The thing is, we don't typically practice this as bread, uh, a bread, bread and wine. We practice it in the silence and in our in our in our community together and in meals uh, and 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 in singing and in other ways. But but we believe we believe that Jesus is really present with us. And really, really, uh, this is not a metaphor. Jesus is actually present with us uh, as a community when we gather in his name. Yeah, where two or three of you gather in my name, I will be there. Right. And so we'd actually agree with the Roman Catholics that, like, Jesus is actually actually present in the bread and wine. What we would disagree about is that Jesus is not also present in my shoe. (laughs) Right? Not eating your shoe. And and so I may be... be, uh, I may be completely distorting the story, but I feel like it may, and it may, have, so this is one of those stories where like, I remember I heard something about blah, 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 I'm going to do that right now, and I may be getting the details really wrong, because I can't tell you whether it was George Fox, or whether it was someone else, it might have been George Fox, it might have been someone else, but one of the, uh, one of the early Quaker preachers, somebody please, somebody please like tw- tweet at us or something, and tell me, put it in the comments, whatever, tell, tell us what the truth is here, but one of, one of the, one early Quaker preacher, um, as, as a prophetic act of witness, went up into the pulpit during a service, and of course he was not invited, went up into the pulpit and started, he was a cobbler, so this must not have been George Fox, he was a cobbler, and he started working on making shoes in the pulpit. <laughs> and, and, and the... the, the, the I've the, heard this one too. <laughs> the, the point I took away from this, the point I took away from this is that um, God is present in all of life and in all of activities, and so it's not just... It's not just in the bread and the wine. It's not just in the pulpit. It's it's when it's it's when it's when Mackenzie and I are writing computer programs. It's when it's when it's when you know my wife Faith is is helping patrons at the library. It's when it's when you're cooking dinner. Uh, God is there and God is present and God can be demonstrated through these things. Um, so it's really it's it's a very you know the um, the Protestant Reformation had this idea of breaking uh, breaking Jesus out of the jail cell of of, of cloistered religion. And uh, finding God in in ordinary life, um, and so so Martin Luther was 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 a priest and became a not priest, you know, mar- married a nun, and uh, and uh, you know became became a, a not uh, a not priest, uh, you know, became laity, became laity. Well, not not. I mean, I think think he was still considered clergy, um, but but became non you know non cloistered, non separate from the world, and uh, Quakers. Uh, and, and, and it preached a lot about, Luther preached a lot about um, the vocation, the Christian vocation of like householders, people with families, um, which was very much downplayed uh, by the, the earlier church. 
Um, and and Quakers just took this a whole step further and said, you know, God is not just present in these in, in these in these particular elements. God is present in in every moment of life, and we we can we can participate in that life, and we can we can we can be participating in communion at all times. That is that is that is an invitation and a possibility for us. You know, I've seen um, I'm not sure where I think it was I think I think it was on some some meetings website where they were. Um, doing the like about us type of thing on the website where they described our um they described waiting worship as being communion in the manner of friends Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting and you know i've also talked to um little f not quaker friends before about um meeting for worship and you know one of them who is um a um animist um pantheist type um person she was really fascinated to hear that what that waiting worship is is that we are trying to commune with god we're trying to commune with the divine Mm -hmm. and hey look commune communion like it's we don't i think we don't tend to think about what the root word there is you know like when people talk about communion and we just go oh yeah yeah bread and wine and not really thinking about that it's actually about communing with god that this is the part where we're in in some churches, when you eat the bread and wine is when is when you know you and God are like super tight, and but that for us it's this mystical super tight thing. Well, and I mean the communion. I mean like another word that has the that that root is community, and uh, it's not just it's not just communion. It is communion with God. It is, it is unity and oneness with God. It's also unity and oneness with one another in Christ. And so I think I think that's I think. In its most in its most holy and pure form, I think there's been enormous abuses for for millennia. However, in its most pure and holy form, I think that would be why the Roman Catholics would not want non-Catholics to take it. Is that uh, it's not just it's not only communion with God; it's communion with with the community. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're not if you're not actually um, a living member of the community, it would be inappropriate to take it. Right, and that gets back to the whole being in communion with, or like when somebody gets kicked out of the Roman Catholic Church, they're excommunicated. Right. Um, or, I mean, lots of denominations use the term excommunicated. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I know you, you said the Eastern Orthodox as well, and there's a one-way uh, communion going on there, because the Roman Catholic Church, for, at least from understanding this right, the Roman Catholic Church is like, yes, we acknowledge that the Eastern Orthodox share the belief, you know, share this belief with us, and so we are fine with them receiving um, at our table and and you know with Catholics receiving at their table. Um, but meanwhile, the Eastern Orthodox Church is like, mm, no. <laughs> so that's an Eastern kind of, that's kind of rough. Yeah, so that's, any, like, that's like high school dating rejection right there. <laughs> so somebody who's Eastern Orthodox can go into a Catholic church. And if they receive communion there, then the Catholic Church is fine with them having done so. Meanwhile, their priest back home was like, hang on. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Um, every once in a while, I just got to ask, what would Jesus do? And seriously, can we imagine Jesus turning away people from the communion table based on a set of beliefs that they have or don't have? I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. He hung out with people who were rejected by society. And I guarantee you, plenty of these people held non, you know, held heterodox religious perspectives. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, I just can't, 
I can't imagine. I mean, the Samaritans. The Samaritans were heretics. And Jesus was cool with Samaritans. Jesus, like, you know, talked, the with, the, the well. talked with the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, so, like, I just, it, it feels unchristlike to turn people away from the from the table like that. It, it does not it does not feel like Jesus to me. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so speaking of Jesus, um, you know, having meals with with lots of people, um, something else that's talked about in the book are love feasts, is what they call it. Um, now, it's Quakers, I think we call them potlucks. That's right. <laughs> Our potluck game is on point. And sometimes when somebody in another denomination asks me, you know, wait, but but it says do this in remembrance of me, you know, clearly Jesus wants us to do the thing. How, how can you not do the thing when he says do the thing? And sometimes the explanation I'll give is, you know, what he was doing was breaking bread with people. Right. And we do get together and break bread with each other. That absolutely happens. You yeah. know, my meeting, it's every single week after a meeting for worship. We get together and we break bread together. Wow, man. You guys have communion every week. <laughs> Jesus, like Catholics. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I just, you know, there's there's this tendency to want to... And this, this, this is a big part of what the Quaker movement uh, critiques. Uh, but there's this tendency to want to take... Uh, the teachings of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the experience of the Holy Spirit, and to codify it into a set of rituals and rules and uh, and make that what it's about. And basically turn following Jesus into a religion. And there's nothing wrong with religion, but religion is very common and petty and human. But following Jesus is about something much more dynamic and, uh, and much less brittle. Uh, it, it's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with God and with other people. And to, to reduce it to a set of, of, of ritualistic practices we do or a set of, rule, of rules of do's and don'ts really does disservice to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, something else I think it's important to point out from the book is that they, they say that friends do not condemn those who, from a true tenderness of spirit and with real conscience towards God, imitate the Last Supper. So it's not, you're not allowed. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to go and receive the Last Supper, fine. If, if if you wanted to do it in your meeting house, you know, there isn't really a rule against that. There might be some people in your meeting house who go, but Quakers don't do that. And you know, they, that person can not participate. Right. Um, but if you wanted to do it from time to time, you're not going to get kicked off Quaker Island. I think I feel, as, as I think I've mentioned earlier in this episode, I, I, I think I feel a lot more chill towards... Uh, the Lord's Supper than I do towards water baptism because the Lord's Supper is an, is, is a repeat a repeatable ritual that is done in community uh, and, and can be done at any time whereas water baptism at least in the, in, in the Christian community normally is a one-time deal and is seen and is seen as being is seen as being this like re, like do or die requirement whereas like I haven't heard any like I mean I know I know the Roman Catholic Church thinks so, but like in general today, most Christians don't think like, oh, I miss communion this week, I'm going to hell. Um, so there's right, there's, yeah, that's the thing you have to confess. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I guess like I, particularly in the communities where where the Lord's Supper is seen as a a uh, memorial meal, I feel more chill towards. It. I don't think it's necessary. 
I think it can be beautiful. I even think it can be an instrument of God's grace, but I don't think it's necessary. But I also don't feel like super resistant to it in the way where I feel like I I would make a point. Like if someone wanted to water baptize me to make sure I was actually a Christian, like I would resist that because that 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 does like violence to who I am. I already know I'm a Christian. I don't need to be water baptized to do that. Or oh, like, everybody knows you're a Christian. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be so forward in saying I am one because. I, in some, in some ways, I'm, in some ways, I you know I, I, I do struggle to follow to to, to follow Jesus, uh, but but I try to be a Christian. Maybe that's what I should say. I know I'm I know for sure I'm trying to be a Christian to the to the best to the best of my uh, to the best of my ability, um, but yeah, I for what it's worth, I, I think uh, the Lord's Supper is is much less of is much less of a big deal sort of. Uh, in terms of in terms of my understanding of the tradition, than than baptism is. Baptism seems like a much uh, a more important a more important line in the sand. Thanks for listening in. Let us know what you thought in the comments on the website, or uh, oh, if you know who the guy was that cobbled shoes on the altar, that would be a good one too. You can find us on the web at QuakerPodcast.org, as Quaker Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon, and on iTunes. Thank you.